Please listen carefully. And now, live from the aquarium in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions podcast, featuring two guys napping in a Wookiee's lap, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast is time for an assumption. We are doing an assumption of The Mandalorian Season 3. I don't know those drums, but Mm. I wish I could make that flute sound always. It's so distinct. And you're saying to us, wait a minute, it's not all done yet. Now we're only reviewing the midpoint of The Mandalorian Season 3. Yes, because we're so excited about it. We will be covering the first four episodes of the show by the time this drops. All I think six should be out. Mm-hmm. So we will probably spoil the first four episodes for you. So if you haven't watched them yet, you're late. Yeah, you go. There's your disclaimer. Hurry up and watch it. You're late for a very important date. So what I didn't realize is the Mandalorian hasn't been on for like two years. Yeah. We had a little stopgap with Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. That's kind of why I was like, oh, it hasn't been that long, but it has been that long. But he was in it. So, True. I mean... Mando 2.5. It was Mando 2.5, <laughs> very much so. One of the bigger gripes, I don't want to say complaint, one of the bigger gripes I've seen out there is, again, people, we try to be positive here and griping just to gripe about things that don't really affect anything. <laughs> I just don't bother. Out. But one of the gripes I've seen is like, oh, huh, it's almost like you, to know what's going on, you had to watch Book of Boba Fett. Okay. Yeah. So? <laughs> yeah, it's season three of a television show. There aren't too many shows out there. You can jump in season three and be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. And then also, you could just watch the, what, the Mando shows up, like, in the middle of it, and he has a full episode dedicated to him, pretty much. Yeah, an episode and a half. You can pretty much just watch that part. That's it. It's, I don't, the, the, the people are just griping and gripe, aren't they? Because if you're watching this, then you have Disney Plus, right? True. Book of Boba Fett is on <laughs> Disney Plus. Yeah, it wasn't like it was hard to go find. <laughs> hard to I'm keep ta- up with it. That's what I'm talking about. I don't understand. Well, now you're making me think, though, because I wasn't thinking about it, so I don't know if this was actually a concern, but like, there weren't too many huge events in Book of Boba Fett that are affecting this season three. It's more season two, one stuff. Yeah, well, it's the, the fact that Grogu and Mandalorian got oh, back together. Yeah. Okay. So it's a time jump for anybody that hasn't seen Book of Boba Fett. Exactly. And to level up. Exactly. Okay. I, uh, okay. That makes sense. But, but at the same time, it's on what the platform you're watching. It's not like yeah they're acting like it's the '80s still. <laughs> and like if you miss that show, that they're never going to show again. It only aired once. I know. Not yeah. 3 a.m. Yeah. No. It's people just want to gripe about stuff. I get it. Stop it, everybody. <laughs> stop it. But we get Mando back. Ugh. Yeah. We're on the 17th chapter at this point. It's true. And the first episode is called The Apostate. Ooh. Written by old John Favreau himself. And uh, Mando and Grogu are back together. Mm-hmm. Now, John Favreau said that there's like a almost a two-year time gap here. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Because there's really, I mean, we aren't going to be able to tell if Mando ages, you know. Right. But <laughs> apparently Grogu was, was with Luke for a super long time. I mean, it's not specified, so they yeah. can sort of kind of claim it as long as is narratively necessary. Yeah, I've heard like up to two years. He's walking now. He's got a little more wrinkles. He's a little more spry. Mm-hmm. He's talking more. 
Yeah. <laughs> he is. We'll get into it right now because it's, it's Grogu. I thought I would be the money baby. Yeah, I th- he's called at my house. Really, the money baby? <laughs> like it's called the money baby because he's the money maker. Yeah, <laughs> he's the reason that show is popular. Yeah. <laughs> I support it. I totally like. I've made comments about being a little superheroed out, a little marvelled out. Mm-hmm. I totally thought I would fall in the lane of being Grogued out. Yeah. I love that little guy. Really? As much as I've seen him, as much merch as there is around him, mm-hmm. his image is ever present. And yeah. I guess that can be annoying. But him in the show, they play him perfectly. Mm-hmm. He's never overdone. It's never too much. He's never too focal. But he has so many great little beats in this. True. My only complaint about Grogu is some of the sound design on Grogu. Okay. A, little, a little too often... They use like just straight up baby noises. Yes, and I don't like it because some they mix it. Sometimes he sounds like a baby Yoda. Yes, Yoda talk like this. <laughs> so sometimes he's like, <laughs> but then sometimes they go, and I'm like, I don't I like grunge it a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, you, we have all this technology now. Run the baby sound through a. Yoda filter. Yoda filter. That's all. That's all. Sometimes he sounds like Yoda E. Yes. I don't know what to, I don't even know how to say it, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he sounds, I guess he needs to sound more alien to me. I had the thought, I did notice that he's way more, there's way more sounds coming out of yeah. Grogu this season. That is a thing. And it stood out to me a little bit until I remembered, oh yeah, Yoda makes noises all the time. Yeah. Like, you forget how silly Yoda is. Like, mm-hmm. he gets the cool lines and he's a super sage, but he's also that same type of creature. But I'm with you that it is a little babyish because I think they're just trying to make it hard to figure out his age. And, like, yeah. I get it, but it's just thing. the fact that it's just like a straight up human baby sound. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. It just bumps me when that happens. I get it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, do you want to go over all four at once, or do you want to kind of go like kind of a little bit use the structure of the episodes for beats, for we, fun uh, stuff that we see? We can start with the setup a little bit because it's cool. Because this this leads more into like my overall. <laughs> I have overall rants about this show, Ooh. but something I noticed about the startup is that I really like the arc that we're playing with. Like I said, this is the third season of a show, mm-hmm. so we're getting a little bit deeper into the. Okay, we don't need to talk about like backstories so much. Right. We don't need to explain things so much. We can go a little faster, have a little bit more fun. Uh-huh. And this is a redemption arc for Din. Mm-hmm. This is it, the apostate is him. He's been kicked out of his group, mm-hmm. and now he has to atone. The atonement that's that's samurai movie. That's Wild West. Mm-hmm. That is a tried and true trope. And I enjoyed all the lone wolf and cub that we've gotten, uh-huh. but now we're going completely different thematically yeah. to atonement. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I love that kind of quest. Oh, yeah. The atonement quest. Because that's the setup of the show, is that uh, Din took his helmet off. In front of a sentient being. Yes, not allowed. That is not the way. So in order, that <laughs> it's an easy quest setup. He has to go back to Mandalore, go under the mines, and you know take a little dip in the water. Easy yeah. peasy. Mines of Mandalore, the living waters in the mines of Mandalore will baptize you back into the ranks of the Mandalorian. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, you'll be back by Tuesday. Except it's not easy peasy, Mandalore has been glassed by the Empire. And cursed by universal spirits. Yeah, (laughs) cursed and glassed and apparently the uh, armor, who's I guess the de facto head of that clan of Mandalorians, one of the children of the Watch, is that what they're called? Mm -hmm. She tells Jin. 
Mando. I'll just call him Mando. It's easier to say than a D after a J. <laughs> so, okay, wait, real quick. I have to pause. Yeah. Did they change this? Because I could have sworn when it was season one, it was DJIN, Jinjarin. Yeah. But in everything I've read, it's now Dinjarin, D I N. Really? There's no J in his first name anymore. And I think I'm having a Berenstain Bears moment in that I thought he had a DJ DJ in. I thought it was DJ DJ too. It's not. Oh. And that's throwing me. Okay. <laughs> Glad it's not just me. We can figure it out later. Crazy. Okay. But I had a whoo mental fart on that. So yes, but yes, Mando. I'm just calling Mando. <laughs> but the armor tells Mando <laughs> that it's nice that this is what could be done. But they, the mines are destroyed. That that planet is cursed. Yep. Even without the curse, it, it's a post-apocalyptic world because it got fusion bombed. It just got nuked basically yeah. by the Empire. Let me put a point in here that. I've always loved Mandalorians and I love the world building that's going on. And this is a section of Star Wars and things make sense in it. Yes. Um, a lot of Star Wars sometimes doesn't make sense, but there's so much stuff that makes sense in it. And a lot of it comes if you watch the Clone Wars and Rebels, all that stuff, all the things that had the Mandalorian arcs in it. Mm -hmm. But basically, it makes so much sense for the Empire to, there's this ultimate, like, race of warrior people absolutely that basically they based um the clone troopers on mm -hmm. uh, and there's a planet full of them so what are you gonna do with that planet full of them well you know you watch the clone wars and rebels and stuff and they try to get them on their side at first and some of them do but that leads to a civil war so some of them don't mm -hmm. so the best option is just to get just destroy them scatter them just, to the wind yeah just get rid of them that's what they do, and that's why you don't hear much about Mandalorians in the movies. <laughs> that's true. Um, because they've been scattered to the winds and like stars across the galaxy, as Mando <laughs> always says. That's it. But essentially eradicated yeah. for his, all the rest of the universe knows. Yeah. And then you also end up with guys like Timothy Oliphant, who are just wearing Mandalorian armor, even though they're not Mandalorians. So that probably happens a lot. In well, the galaxy. Yeah, and I mean, that was kind of the story for, with Boba Fett for the long time. Yeah. Like, we got more details about that, but that was just an accepted thing. Like, yeah. the armor is the only thing that remains of them. Mm -hmm. I really like the lore building that they're doing here. Just expanding, expanding, expanding upon it. We get to go to Mandalore, which is super cool. Oh, very cool. And see what it looks like. It's funny because you mentioned uh, they're not explaining the stuff as much because it's like the third season you should be into this, but they do do like little little lines mm -hmm. that are like when they say them, I go, duh. <laughs> and then I realize like, oh, if you're just one of those people, because apparently there's a lot of people out there who've only watched this in like the movies. Okay. Yeah. And because it's so popular. Well, like, I mean, I fall into the category of only being partially familiar with Clone Wars and Rebels, so... Because there's a moment when Bo-Katan basically says, like, this used to be a wonderful civilization, and I used to rule it all, you yeah. know? And, and it's like, well, yeah, I knew that. And I'm like, oh, there's people watching this who don't... They're like, who is this? Yeah, in terms of the show, she has no yeah. backstory yet. Who is this lady on the throne, you know? <laughs> Why is she so cute? I love you, Katie Sacker. <laughs> I mean, Regal, sorry. Well, one thing I... <laughs> So in the first episode, we have that whole, and it is literally called, it, it's on Wikipedia, the dinosaur turtle. <laughs> John Favreau, I love you, buddy, but George Lucas was way better at naming things. Uh, okay, eventually, you say way better. Eventually. Say, eventually. And he usually didn't name stuff at first, but then like yeah. someone would pick him on it and he'd be like, um, this. 
it seems to need a little bit more of a twist to, for it to be Star Wars, but Dino Turtle is kind of, I could see Lucas being like, yeah, it's a Dino Turtle. That's yeah. true. You know? It's a laser sword. Part dinosaur, part turtle. That's yeah. cool. Okay, you know what? You're right. Never mind. <laughs> they could have made it better, absolutely. I mean, it's Star Wars. You could have called it a, a, a tur- turtle sword. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah, but um, in part of the world building, we get to see a young Mandalorian take the oath and That's put it. the helmet on and... Um, I totally thought that was a flashback. I didn't even realize that was like the new colony. I did think that was a flashback too at first. But it was cool to see that the survivors have found a place that, yes, has extreme wildlife, not just with the dinosaur yeah. turtle. But I think that's why they're there. It's it's a protection as much yeah. as it is a curse for sure. Very uh, very Yoda-y. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, true, yeah. Don't yeah. come into my swamp. Yeah. Very Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> but I love it. I love that we get the chance to see habitual Mandalorians, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we get to see their rituals. We get to see their training a little bit later. Mm-hmm. And we get to see them just sort of, not just necessarily heat of the moment. I mean, yes, there are emergencies that happen, but it was cool to see little Ragnar, who, uh, little Kimmel, <laughs> <laughs> little Jimmy Kimmel's uh, nephew, I believe. Is that, that who is? it is? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't know that. But he's a Vizsla, right? Yes. Now, I don't know. I don't, because they call, once you've, like, taken on a foundling, you're called the father anyway. So I don't know if that he's a foundling or if like the Mandalorians were reproducing amongst themselves. I would imagine it's sort of like Viking rules. Like if you if you create your own, they get your surname. But also if you take any younglings <laughs> under your stead, okay. they get the surname as well. Now this goes to, a, 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 I'm going to bring up a funny point here. Go right? for it. I think it's funny. So you can't take your helmet off in front of people, right? <laughs> so, you know, that means when, when when you're with your like Mando wife, yes. the two of you just have helmets on. It's the So most, it's just like clang. Yeah, it's clank, the most awkward clank, blacksmith you've ever heard. Clank. <laughs> clank. <laughs> Quiet in there. No, it's just the part of this is the way is that it's really dark in those rooms. <laughs> oh my gosh. But we did get to find out like, she's like, how do you eat? And yeah. It was like, you go out of the sight of everyone and like take your helmet off and eat. I found those scenes interesting because like, let's get into it now. Like Bo-Katan's twist arc for this a couple episodes that we've seen so far is that she's sort of a new, she's been renewed into the faith as well. Right. Because not only does Din get eventually get back in the water, but she does mm-hmm. kind of inadvertently. Yeah. But it works out and she has a change of faith. Yeah. And it's those little beats that as an audience, we're learning how Mandalore works, but it's Bo-Katan learning how to be true Mandalore. Right. And it, they aren't really saying whether she's buying into it completely or getting scared by it completely. Right. And I just love those little beats because it's like, oh, cool. She's the chief of chief of the war party. She gets to sit by the fire, and right. that's how they do the helmet thing. But then she has a moment, and you're like, oh, they eat alone. Like, that's weird. Yeah. But it's part of the code. You know, like, yeah. it's it's so interesting to get those little bits of Wait, mythology. Let's talk, let's talk about Bo-Katan's arc while we're on it. Let's yeah, yeah. just go through her arc through the thing. So um, we see her right away. It's at the end of the first episode, and Mando shows up, and he's like, Hey, I need to get to the mines of Mandalore because mm-hmm. I need to bathe in the living waters. And she's like, "Why? <laughs> you know that's a fairy yeah, tale, right?" Like a, yeah, and he's like, "I'm an apostate." You know, he still believes in the faith, and she's just kind of like so dismissive. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Why are you?" And he's kind of like, 
I'm paraphrasing just for fun, right? Uh, she's he's kind of like, why are you just here and all alone in this castle? <laughs> and she's basically like, well, when I didn't show up with the dark saber, everyone was like, deuces. Yep. I'm just kind of alone now, so I'm just gonna brood like a Shakespearean <laughs> prince, one leg over the yeah. arm, the arm of the throne. Yeah, very Shakespearean. And With one robot butler to be like, you have a visitor. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's just basically like, eh, it's under the like civic center in this town. So <laughs> have fun. Yeah. That was basically, that. that's where she first showed up. And then we get the his little side quest because he's like, well, if it is toxic, uh, you know, I guess apparently their helmets, only, they only have so much oxygen in their, that makes sense. Yeah. So much fuel for the jetpack, yeah. so much breathing for the system. Right. I heard people complaining about that because the droid goes out to check the thing and the droid disappears. And then he's like, seals his helmet and goes out there and like, why didn't he just go out there? And it's like, well, I think that it's a finite amount of oxygen he has in there. Yeah. And he also said he didn't want to do it. That's why he got the droid in the first place. It's like, he didn't want to go out there. But uh, I mean, initially he tries to go get IG 11. Yeah. So we're bouncing around, whatever. That's fine. Um, But that was kind of neat, that whole thing. And the the multiple year jump makes sense now because when he shows up at Navarro, it's all like cleaned up and nice. Yes. And Carl Weathers is high magistrate now. (laughs) With two little robot (laughs) butlers carrying his cape. I love that. It was great. This is kind of weird to me, though. And I, I kind of justified it, but I'll, I'll, I'd like your take on it too. Uh-huh. It's cool to see IG eleven. Uh, it's cool to see IG eighty eight. He's a statue. They commemorated mm-hmm. him. It's IG eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so it's cool to see the IG droid. It's cool to see him as a statue. But the only reason I can justify that that was even in a step leading up to getting R five was to do the Star Wars theme echo of R five malfunction so that R two could be the hero. Is IG malfunctioning so that R5 can be the hero is sort of like payback? Maybe. Because otherwise, like, it's we're showing IG-88 just to have a malfunction and for the fans to be like, I know that IG. Well, I think the point is, is that at one point, Mando says it's droids work to do that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, and he, that was a specific type of droid that was, like, adventure-ready or whatever. Not so much that. He doesn't like droids, remember? That's because true. of the Clone Wars, and his, like, whole family was killed by droids. True. And the only droid he's ever trusted is IG-11. So he his narrow mind is like, well, if I need a droid, I'm going to get that droid. I think it's stubbornness. That, that makes sense. Because even... Grief Karga is like high magistrate. Grief Karga, sorry, uh, is, <laughs> yeah, he, is like he makes a point to correct them. Is like, what are you doing? You know, I, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, even he's telling him it doesn't make any sense. But it does mean we get to see more Babu Fricks, though. So I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, what are those guys called? Uh, they're called Anzellans. Anzellans. Yeah, there's tons of them. The broken. It broke. It, it the broken. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Grogu like tries to like take one of them home with him or something. That was, no squeeze. No squeezing. <laughs> Bad baby. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty hilarious. And I like that. I like that you could clearly understand what they were saying. Yes. Grief Cargo's outside going like, they said they can't <laughs> fix it. It was very funny. That was a great, bit. perfect Star Wars humor. It was great. Uh, the trivia I learned, you may have already said this, because I think I had it in my brain that I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But do you know who the voice of Babu Frick is? No. Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. That's just such a weird crossover, but she yeah. does a great job. Yeah. It, it, it's, it was great to see, like, it was all cleaned up and Grief Karga had everything working well. They even kind of gave, like, a... Uh, 
John Favreau gave a nod because he wrote this episode. So oh, okay. he kind of gives a nod to Cara Dune. Yes. Grief Karg is like, hey, you make a great, I need a marshal. You make a great marshal. And he's like, where's Cara Dune? And yep. He's like, she got promoted to Special, like, Forces. Special Forces, Republic Special Forces. So yep. she got a promotion, which I, I think that's kind of like a, because I don't think Favreau is the type of guy who is pleased with what happened frankly yeah and the type of guy to be aware that that's going to be one of the questions that are hanging for the show so either don't address it at all or address it in this way Mm -hmm. which i think you know works for the narrative absolutely and it could work for the fans but and he needs a march because there's still pirates around who are acting like it's the old place man that shootout was great it's a new sheriff in town yeah that's like that's like such a wild west trope that i love it's like no this is a new town this is my town yeah i loved how it was he was kind of like what are you gonna do about it your poncy little magistrate and he like pulls back his cloak and he's like i'm gonna show you what i'm gonna do about it <laughs> you can take the grief out of the wet the, the you can take the grief out of the criminal world but you can't i don't know yeah. it's, it's no, getting there great. but it was awesome to see it like just mm-hmm. stand his ground because he's old school like din is yeah and it was awesome to see a prequel space asteroid fight yes with ships i don't think we've ever seen those ships before the pirates were using uh, not that I recognize. Yeah, I kind of wish that they had used. I don't see enough of one of my favorite ships in Star, all of Star Wars and a ship that you can use in the X-Wing game often for pirates <laughs> is the Z-95 Headhunter. There you which go. Which is like the proto X-Wing. Okay. And that to me is always like the pirate fighter in my brain. What makes it the proto X-Wing? Just the way it looks? Yeah, it is a proto X-Wing. Oh, it's okay. made by the same company and the gotcha. wings were stuck together and they don't open. And, you know, <laughs> it's like an early model of that ship and i just think it's cool but whatever these were were cool looking too i think it's really just to show off the naboo starfighter because that thing is wizard yeah they even do the the, they even specifically do the the anakin turn yes like spins are cool that's a cool trick (laughs) whatever he says i'll try spinning yeah it's working that's a cool trick yeah oh my goodness I also love, sorry, just because we're talking about the Naboo space fighter and everything, they also do a reference to Boonta Eve. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one he goes to get, well, because <laughs> he's like, the, the Babu Fricks are like, we can fix it if you get this part. Yep. And he's like, well, where do I get a part? And he's like, oh. I know somebody with I got to go to Pelly. So we get this moment with Pelly, which is great. Yes. Amy I, Sedaris, always good to see her. She's so good. And then doesn't he, doesn't Grogu actually say her name? I think he goes, Pelly. Maybe. Because she's like, he just... Todd, he said my name or something like that. Is that his first word? Something like that. I think his first words technically are this is the way because he almost said it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that was just me. Maybe. But yeah, it's on Boon to Eve. Yeah, this, which is when the pod race was from yeah. the prequels. I think pod races always happen on that around that time. That's just the thing. It's a fun little tie-in. But they're in uh, Moss Eisley. Yes. And I think Moss Espa was where the big race happens. Oh, maybe. And I think that's where Boba Fett's in charge of too, right? Moss mm-hmm. Espa? Yeah. If Boba Fett, <laughs> if he knows what he's doing, he's going to keep that pod race going. Yes, sir. Yeah. But we get this uh, a droid R5-D4. That's back. Red. <laughs> back in action. Yeah. He even has like the burn from when his motivator went. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, like, I recognized the droid. I was like, oh, that looks like the old one that malfunctions. It is that one, because she says R5-D4, and that was his designation. And so I just went to confirm it with Google, and it's right. Yeah. But Google says that R2 and R5 talked, apparently in a book at some point. 
Okay. And they agreed that R5 would malfunction to like ensure that R2 went. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. So they were in cahoots with each yeah. other. I never knew that was a thing, but further proving my point that R2 is the protagonist of the entire mm. series. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we get R5 back, and he's such a scaredy droid. I don't know if we've gotten it. I mean, we've had <laughs> C-3PO. C-3PO is, is a scaredy droid. Is a, is a wuss, but... Man. I just like that he now has a droid socket, because that little bubble, I mean, it was fine for Grogu to be in, and he saw space whales in it, which was cool, because oh. we saw those in Rebels. Yes. And that's kind of nodding to maybe we're going to start seeing some stuff, because that's what Ahsoka's supposed to be doing, is trying to find where Thrawn and her old friend went. Which is deep space. Yeah. Which is where the whales exist. Yeah. It's all coming together. But yeah, that's but he needed R5 to go and check out the mines, which he does. And then then this is one of my, the, of so far these four episodes. Yes. Whatever the heck that cyborg dude was. if you, It's unidentified cyborg on Wikipedia. Yes. Some, Just calls it cyborg. Some people call it the cyborg scavenger. I had so many, pure speculation, but Bo-Katan gives us the info that the monster's there from the outskirts when the Mandalore used to be a thing. Yeah. And so they've, they're still around, but she, I don't remember if she says they're different or not. This cyborg looks, it looks like General Grievous. Yeah. It's metal and it's organic. Yeah. It has the eyeball that really looks Grievous-esque. Yeah. Like just floating around. It has like... It, you know, the way it ambulates and walks looks like a Grievous. Yeah, but yeah. Ne- uh, so that's my guess. Is it something in that world? Right. I don't know who, ma- do we know who made Grievous? No, and do I we- don't think so. But the, it's interesting. The, the There's speculation online and I want to say, no, you're wrong, everyone. But <laughs> but be- just because people are like, oh, is that a Dionaga? That's that one-eyed creature that oh, pulled yeah. Luke down in the trash. No. But that has a totally different eye. That's it. The eyeball was different looking. Yeah. This was like a very humanoid looking eyeball. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, there's got to be more to it. I don't think he'd be grievous because he got taken out fairly easily. Not easily. True. I mean, it was Bo-Katan going house with the Darksaber that she knows how to use. That was a nice juxtaposition because we get to see Mando try. Yeah. And he still makes it work. It's still heavy to him. That was such a cool fight uh, hindrance. Yeah. Like having, like he has a sword, but it's heavy. So he makes it work uh-huh. still, but you're like, oh man, pick it up. But then Bo-Katan is Ooh. just like. Whew. In one hand, because she has the shield in the other. She is oh. so rad. She's the best. I, one Sliding of my, and one of my favorite One of my favorite parts of this whole thing. Yes. Is when Grogu goes to get her. And she's coming back with Grogu to mm-hmm. save Jin from Cyborg Scavenger, General Grievous's brother. <laughs> well, I'm General Grievous's brother, and she sees like the movement up in the like top crystals yes. of like the trap that these troll things have laid, and she like reaches back and just kind of pushes <laughs> Grogu away, and also she goes boop boop. Yep, she's like, oh, watch out, kid, and then she just kicks it. Oh. And then Grogu's like, and she's like, did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian? You got a lot of learning to do, kid. <laughs> I love her quips about dad and kid when yeah. it concerns Grogu and Mandalorian. That, that's very, very touching. Yes. Especially at the whole sparring scene when, when Grogu's learning how to train against Ragnar. She's like, my dad was the same way. He's just proud of you. Now here's your little dart things that barely fit on your hand. But I, I love all this little... I don't know. Let me ask you if this tickles you because it tickles me. Yes. When when she saves Mando and she's making that 
pog soup. And he's like, what is this? And she's like, you don't know what pog soup is. It's like, I guess it's like a, a Mandalorian, just traditional soup. And I'm, it just made me giggle because I was just like, they're really diving into this lore where, you know, these separate clans even have like their own like foods. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah. The, it, like, yeah, tribal, regional sort of yeah. quirks. Yeah. Just like accents. Right. It was really neat. I also loved seeing how they kind of showed the system. You know, this is Mandalore over here. That's the planet I grew up on. Mm-hmm. That's the planet that Bo-Katan lives on. Yep. All of which was done. So I saw somebody. Come on, you toxic guys. I saw <laughs> so, I saw someone complaining. The scene where he's like showing, he's like, he's like, Mandalorians need to know how to read maps so they'll always know where they're going. Or never lost. Never, never yeah. lost or whatever. And they're like, they're like, what a dumb line that was. Oh, and you. I was like, I was like, first of all, he's talking to a child. Yes. Second of all, if he hadn't pointed those out, he wouldn't have known where to go to get Bo-Katan. It's, it's leveling up in the perfect creative way. Like they're setting it up. Yeah, they set it up wonderfully. I mean, literally, it's like Bo-Katan lives here. And then yeah. later he's like, go get Bo-Katan. And he's like, oh, yeah. So he can just point. And he did. I think he that was, was pointing so, to oh, the droid. Yeah. He's like, there. That was such, I, I I don't know if I teared up, but I definitely got the warm fuzzies. Because he hopped in and he just starts pointing like, yeah. go here. And the robot's like, okay. It's like, yeah, they're rescuing and their And another dad. reason they needed a droid, because the droid can fly starfighters. He comes in handy. Yeah, it comes in very handy. He gets up and comeuppance for his failure in the, pre, or in the original trip. But you're right. They go down. She's still giving Mando all kinds of grief about his superstitions while they're going down there. And he's like, they just build the world. Have you ever been in the living waters? Yes, I was the princess. We do a whole ceremony and everyone and I take the oath and I go in the water. And he's like, you took the oath? And she's like, yeah, you have to do it. But it's just for show. And then she's like, here it is. And they're like, here's this goofy plaque. Once upon a time, the old original Mandalorian saw a mythosaur down here. And she's like rolling her eyes. Yep. Yeah. And it, well, yeah. And then she sees one. But <laughs> and then she sees one. To, to backtrack just like 10 seconds, this is something I love because what Star Wars is doing here in a really beautiful way, interesting, engaging way, is that they're critiquing religion. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, yeah. <laughs> this is the way it, mm-hmm. it, it has the setup to religion, but they're doing, they're showing us all these different facets to it. Like you're saying with the regional, like different food things, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just a piece of conversation that allows you to sort of extrapolate creatively and daydream. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it makes me do. It's just like, you know, it's like, oh, and in yeah. this part of our country, yeah. it's like the barbecue thing. It's like barbecue should be made out of pork. <laughs> yeah. No, barbecue's made out of beef. Yeah, vinegar, no mustard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, we have the Mandalore religion in this instance. <laughs> Din, I keep wanting to say gin. <laughs> Pedro Pascal. <laughs> no. Um, he's, he's Just call him daddy. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> incredibly faithful. He wants to follow the way. He yeah. atones so that he can get back into his faith. Lovely. That's devout. That's awesome to see because that is a journey in itself. Mm-hmm. And now we get to see the princess who knows all about this religion, but it's been performative for her. Yeah. Because that's part of just an aspect of religion. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are ceremonies and rituals. And if mm-hmm. you're part of the upper elite, then it's a certain amount of thing. Mm-hmm. All that whole, yeah. like, there's so much context to that. Yeah, there is. But to have both of those coming together and seeing, like, what's true about Mandalore mm-hmm. and what's the valuable parts about the way and maybe what's the craziness about it. Like the whole like eating by yourself. Like, okay, that's the way. That made me feel really alone. And like yeah. 
to have a religion make you feel weird is interesting because you're like, what is the point of this? There's mm-hmm. probably a Mandalorian explanation to it, but to see both sides of it and have her sort of come to understand it, I'm curious mm-hmm. to see if she buys in or if she's Bo-Katan and she gets agency. It's it's an interesting story. I'm curious to see how it develops. It is. It is an interesting arc. But then she sees the Mythosaur. That was so cool. That was cool. Super cool looking. It's like a Leviathan. Okay, so we have a little bit of context because in episode four, she tells one person about it and she tells the armor. Yeah. And the armor says that the way shows you things that you need along the way to mm-hmm. help you out. Very religious, very right. affirming. Do you think she saw the Mythosaur? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I do. <laughs> Just the way, the way it was shot. Yes. It didn't seem dreamlike or Mm-mm. anything like that. And they didn't have any, any interaction with it. Right. I was, I, that caught me by surprise. I was like, that is a nice turn. So before we talk about Grogu's fun times backstory, <laughs> I want to talk about this strange episode that of not the Mandalorian in the middle of the Mandalorian Yes, that I really liked a lot. Same. I thought it was a great episode, but I don't understand why they just, I don't know why they didn't go back and forth. I don't know why they, you know what I mean? Like sometimes when they make shows, and I, I don't know, I might not know right or right or wrong. I'm not an editor yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. but sometimes when they make shows, you know, they'll go back and forth between like this character is doing this now. I got and this character is doing this now. Yeah, yeah. And this character, but they didn't do that. They're just like, here's Bo and Mando, and now here's a whole other thing, and now here's Bo and Mando again. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but it was, it kind of bumped me a little bit. I but get it. Maybe once the whole arc is over, the whole all eight episodes are out, that won't bother me. That, I don't know. But that's definitely true because, like, we, we are only halfway through. So right. we only have half the picture. Two things I would say is that, yes, it, it's definitely more common to do, like, the A story, B story. Right, A story, B story. That's what they, I'm talking they, about. they do that within here. Like, Grogu stays behind to talk to the armor and, you know, uh, Din and crew go rescue mm-hmm. the boy. Yeah. That's an A story, B story. So Mando does that narrative setup. Right. But they have also set up the sort of... It's not a bottle episode because, like, that just takes place in one location. But when you well, have an Coruscant episode... Coruscant is the bottle, I yeah. guess. So, <laughs> but Mando has set up that they do that because yeah. we got the Mando episode in Book of Boba Fett. Right. We okay. got the, uh, essentially, the Tuscan episode of Boba Fett as well in relation to the Boba Fett character because mm-hmm. we learn more about the Tuscans and Boba Fett is not really, he's just there for the ride. Mm-hmm. And I think early in, I think it was season one, like, we get a bunch of stuff with Cobb Vanth and Tim the Elephant and all those that where Din is either in the process of going somewhere or, you know. Mm-hmm. So they've set up that they take points to focus on specific right. side stories. Right. But like you said, we don't know what the payoff for that is. Right. But I enjoyed what we got set up so far. I know. We get to learn all about what happened to Dr. Pershing, who, if you remember, was the guy who was originally in charge of Grogu. Yes. Under Moff uh, Gideon's crew group. They're uh, they're an imperial remnant. Yes, is what they like to be called. Um, <laughs> they wanted to clone the baby. Yeah. Now this interesting. At the beginning of this, there is a bit with Bo and Mando where they fight a whole bunch of Tie Fighters over on her home moon. Yeah, dogfight. And, and they're all Tie Interceptors, which are the the newest of the new Ties. Which I love. Those are my favorite. That's one of my favorite. That's my favorite Imperial ship timers. <laughs> and then Tie Bombers blow her castle up. That's crazy. Then we get the awesome, there's too many of them recall line. Yes. Because that's one of my favorite lines from Star Wars. I don't know why. There's too many of them. <laughs> 
And now there's all kinds of speculation. And I want you to speculate of everyone thinks because it went from that straight over to Moff Gideon's former crew members. The comm officer, yes. That that's, those are all Moff Gideon ship. But there are a lot of people who think that there's way too many ships. It seemed like it was someone who was way more powerful than Moff Gideon. And earlier, we saw the space whales. Yeah. So some people think. Okay, I'm going to throw some more wrenches in it. I like that speculation. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the space whales, I, I had the thought that if they ever made like a David Attenborough nature show about Star <laughs> Wars creatures, including the space whales, I would watch every oh, second of that. that would be that. cool. Because that scene was just deeply profound for a Star mm-hmm. Wars show. I really liked it. It could be Thrawn, because Thrawn we know is going to be a player at least in Ahsoka. Yeah. And that's it is this world. So mm-hmm. whether this is his setup, the other wrenches I would throw in there is that we know that Christopher Lloyd is going to be in the show. Oh. And we have not seen him. Mm. We said that on our alerts. Christopher Lloyd would make an awesome Imperial type dude mm-hmm. or bad Empire guy. Right. Uh, we know that Pershing couldn't let his research go. Right. Is he the only one that can't let that research go now that everything's been destroyed? Probably no, not. Not at all. Gideon's dead. We know. No, he was arrested and he's going oh, he's to arrested. trial. And we hear from when they're. When um, all of the uh, former Imperials are sitting around the table. That's right. They talk about... Oh, he got mind flayed. He, well, there's, there's rumors. Oh, yes. <laughs> he either escaped on his way to trial. That's right. Or he got mind flayed. Those are the rumors. Those are the rumors. So because there's rumors, that leaves the potential that he's still alive. Right. And so, I mean, that's the easiest thing yep. to think. But I would say if he's dead, this is a spot for them to plug Christopher Lloyd in as a head officer that's continuing the program of Moff Gideon in more conspicuous Yeah. Lee. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, man, I really like this episode, though. I mean, just more stuff on Coruscant. There's so much world building, New Republic world building. Yes. Um, it was so... He, t- he went to almost touch the top of a mountain yeah. in a courtyard. Yeah. That is that blew my mind. That was cool. That was awesome. That was super cool. By the way, that whole like the area that that mountain was in, mm-hmm. that's an old Ralph McQuarrie drawing from like way back. Oh, nice. Yeah, that they brought for back for this. Isn't that so cool? <laughs> that is awesome. Now, the things that that's one of the things I loved about this. Another thing that I loved was that it's the opera house. Yes. The same opera house where have you ever heard the legend? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not a tale the Jedi would tell. Uh, yes, that's it was the exact same place. Yes, and where Pershing's giving him his talk, saying like, "I worked for the Empire, but I'm glad I don't now. But I was doing interesting research, and this was what it was about. I'm reformed. I'm reformed now." And then when he, I love when he's coming out. There's that. There's all those senators. And it's so pointed. I love it. They're not doing like New Republic's all good now. Yes. That one senator shows up and he and he's like, "Oh, can you imagine me?" And his wife was like, "That was the Empire." He's like, "Was it the Empire? Or was it the Republic? Republic, Empire, New Republic, whatever." And I'm like, "Holy crap! This guy, this senator, has been a senator through all of it, and it affects him very little. It affects him very little." I'm like, oh, man, that is such a pointed take on politicians. That's it. That was just like, and that's what Star Wars is and always was about. I love it. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I went on a similar note. I had a, a, the thoughts about the underlying theme of this episode is also sort of 
the allusions to post-war Germany. Right, yep. Just in how everyday people that weren't bad guys, right? like, because that's not what I'm saying at all. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but how the everyday people deal with the fallout. Right. But in a Star Wars world, and it's so eloquently done and just little I beats. I know. In the, them sitting around going like, this isn't how the Empire would have dealt with it. Yeah. And they're kind of like, they say without saying like, we'd all be dead. Yeah. And the, and then like the, what do you miss? And he's like, oh no, the Empire was, wrong. he's like, no, no, man. Like, we get it. The larger conversation has been had. Like, what do you miss? And he's like, oh, biscuits. Like, oh yeah, I remember yeah. those biscuits. Like from a different, like, yeah. it's just such an interesting perspective and like the fact that they're using sort of like real world illusions is is yeah. very cool for the the craft of it. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, Omid Abtahi and Katie O'Brien are so good. Oh, so good! Yes. The both of them together playing off each other. That's it. The chemistry that starts off awkward and then like he starts warming up and. She plays the the prank on him and then plays a big prank on him. Uh, <laughs> Twang's days, am I right? <laughs> oh my gosh, that was great. Uh, uh, Twang's the, days, just the general scum and villainy on a subway in the fanciest city in Star Wars. Right. Like this beat would never have survived the cutting room floor in the movies. Right, like this little scene. But now we're getting these little just offshoots in the world right this is like the tabletop rpg context that i live for just these little moments it's like oh that npc i remember it was also i don't know if you noticed too but like this is the things like i said that people who don't know star wars very well they were explaining stuff to them without them realizing it was being explained to them like the taxi driver was talking about like the sites and stuff and then they had him sitting there looking at his ipad while while before he got the knock on the door and it's like Coruscant is the largest metropolis. So there's a man, but it's not actually the center of the universe. You know, it was like giving you all these like Wikipedia facts. Oh yeah, oh it's great. The taxi driver creeped me out though because like he, he had his head turned and he was like, <laughs> and even Pershing was like, "Can you face front?" Like I know you don't need to, but it would make me way more comfortable. And I'm like, I, know, I would totally man. do that. I don't I know, want a robot man. chatting me up while it's making direct eye contact. Oh, but I mean, it it was a heist. No, I'll say it like so. A, it was a heist. It was a heist. This season has so much. We get a heist in this episode. We get dog fights. We get repelling. We get a uh, squad fight. It was a heist but, and a setup. It was a heist and a setup. I and I'm not 100 percent sure why. Me neither. Yeah, because not only was it a heist and a setup, it was a heist and a setup and a brain melt. That was the weird twist. Right. So she basically sets up Pershing. Yeah. To take the fall for getting equipment. But, like, uh, that that's my one hang-up on it is, like, she needed him to get equipment. Right. But I don't think that's equipment that's specific to his research. Right. I, I don't get why he's involved. I guess it's really just to take him out of the picture. The only thing I can think is that, indeed, this is Moff Gideon there working. Mm-hmm. And he's tying up loose ends. Absolutely. That makes 100% sense. And it's not only because Giancarlo Esposito was also in Breaking Bad, and that's <laughs> something that his character would do, but it is a very much like rub him out type thing. And that's what I think it might be, but 100%. I guess we'll find out. It'd be so funny if Giancarlo was really like that in real life. Like he yeah. comes to script reading days, like, so when do I get to kill a guy? He's like, what? It's like, when does my character, you know, backstab somebody? But that whole like mind flare thing where he's like, this is a mind flare. And the, the, the Akbar looking guy. Yeah. The Mon Calamari. <laughs> Akbar. The, the Mon Calamari's like, no, it's fine. I had it done to me. As long as it's kept on low levels, everything's good. That, We're all going to leave the room now. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I'm like, it fits into the whole world too, because it's like this was a weapon created for war and designed yeah. to be used on your enemies. Yeah. Ah, we tweaked it a little. It's fine now. Yeah. Now it's a medical device. Yeah. It's like what? I just the only thing that bumped me a little bit, and I wish they would have added a little extra line in there, is like she's like, "Hey, can I stick around?" Yes, because he's my friend, and the guy's like, "Yeah, oh, sure you can. I'm leaving now." I don't know why he didn't be like, "Hey, you want to go get some tacos or something?" Or like the taco trucks out front. Like that's why everyone left because it was lunch, <laughs> you know, or something. Other than just leaving. Yes, yeah. like in you know procedure. She could have been like, she could have been like, "Can I just have a minute?" He still was my friend, and he'd be like, "Okay, I'll see you out there." Like if it wasn't just like I'm leaving you here for as long as you want. If it was just like a, uh, hey, yes, it's cool. But the whole the, the whole arc of like reforming old imperials and stuff and. It's really cool. Oh, it's excellent context and backstory for mm-hmm. characters that are new. I mean, we've seen them in this series, but this is sort of an element of Star Wars that isn't sort of has, hasn't been tread too much. Mm-hmm. Now, the last thing I want to bring up yes. is Grogu's Order sixty six vision. Yes, because there's some big stuff going on, <laughs> um, and it's unlocked by the armor. I love that. So yeah, the hypnotist like past regression type stuff. So yeah, he has a vision of when he was even younger mm-hmm. during order 66 and a lot of Jedi were protecting him. Like he was super important. Yes. And man, it really is making me think that this, he might actually be Yoda's kid. He might be baby Yoda. Why were they protecting him so hard? See, uh, I'm with you. Cause the other younglings, I mean, yeah, they were trying to, they were trying to get him out of there, I guess, but it seemed like, I don't know. It <laughs> no, seemed extra it. to me. I, I didn't sense the extraness. I get what you're saying. Like he did, you could argue that he was the main focus of yeah. the survivors. Yeah. But I think it was just the fact that he was one of maybe only one that they knew of that they, that's why he was getting so much attention. Okay. Maybe. Cause like, cause I, that's going to womp womp me. I don't want him to be Yoda's baby. That I would, I would Yoda join and Adam's baby. No. And it, I mean, but they could do it though. Oh, and Star Wars loves its hidden yeah, family ties. Yeah, like oh, they're related. Isn't that neat? Yeah, you like Darth Vader? Do you want to see what he's yeah. like before he's a bad guy? Oh. Remember Yoda? Remember <laughs> we made a girl Yoda? Yaddle, you know what? That they have a kid now. Hey, he was very young and very sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally see it happening. I don't want it to, but it would be hilarious. It's going to be hilarious when it does but, because of this moment. Yeah, but the best part was when that when that elevator door opened, and I was like, I'm at bed. I, I I like visibly said Ahmed be- uh, visibly audibly said Ahmed best awesome I'll be honest I didn't recognize him I was like cool a new Jedi oh, and then I looked right. it up and I was like that is amazing yes that is that is love that is homage that yes. is somebody behind the scenes doing Star Wars yeah. right and they made him bad ass <laughs> he did the I couldn't remember specifically if it was Ewan McGregor or Liam Anakin, Neeson Anakin did double lightsabers like that Okay, well, no, I'm talking about the force oh. push. Oh yeah, yeah. Of the guard off the yeah. uh, off the balcony, because just the framing of it and his pose, it's from I think it's Ewan McGregor. I think it's Obi Wan. It's from yeah, the yeah, meme yeah. where he goes, he does yeah. the push. It's the same pose, and I loved it. By the way, live action clone troopers. I believe it. Yeah, those were live action clone troopers. Yeah, yeah. But it was great. And then like a lot of people, I don't hear a lot of people talking about this, but he took him to the Amadala's ship. Yes. And they were like waiting for people. And the, even the cooler beat like 10 seconds later that I loved and for some reason just made me smile. It shows how important the Jedi are as like generals of this movement mm-hmm. because 
as soon as stuff went down, the soldiers were like, take the ship and go. Yeah. Like, we'll stay here and die. Yeah. Like, your mission is mm-hmm. your priority. Take the ship and go. Because they're like, where are the others? And he's like, there are no others. He's like, fine, get out of here. Oh, you like, might be right then. He might have been like, they might have literally knew he was like the last like um, youngling. That, that, that's why I say you're not like, he definitely got priority, yeah. but I don't think, I'm not sure if it's specifically because he's Yoda baby. Yeah. <laughs> He's totally yeah. Yoda baby. I'm not going to be able to not think that now. Yeah. But. No, but yeah, that ship and all the Naboo soldiers, good to see them. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's a wonderful blend of the prequels and, you know, the leading up to the stuff that, I mean, we're leading into the, they made cloning illegal because that led to the Empire and that's why this doctor isn't allowed to do any cloning stuff. Yes. But they were trying to get to it and they might have not handled it perfectly in the sequels, but... It makes sense to me that there was a plan that if the emperor dies, you make a new emperor through cloning because that was a thing they did. It yes. made sense. Mm-hmm. It might not have been handled well in the sequels. I understand a lot of people didn't like it, but as a, as a story thing. Yes. And then also Snoke being like a, a failed, a version, failed version is like, that's kind of cool too makes him way cooler than he was without that yeah so i mean i think it's neat you know i'm with you so are we gonna give a pizza rating halfway through or are we just gonna wait until it's over um i have an overall rant so i don't know if it has i can i can we we could do a temporary rating i guess and then we'll confirm it with the the wrap-up okay but here's my overall rant okay because i I had i just can't get this general thought out of my head Mm. um this is my favorite season of The Mandalorian. Oh. This is getting close to probably my favorite Star Wars ever. Oh, wow. Especially outside of the movies. Here's the main reason I love it is that, I said it earlier, we're in season three. We are past the origin stories. We are past the exposition. We are past the, are you hoping to see this character? Here he is. Are you hoping to get the answer to this movie question? Here it is. Mm-hmm. We're kind of past fan service. Right. Everything you could have wanted has been delivered for the most part mm-hmm. to at least satisfy the people that are getting grumpy. Right, right, right. This is now Mando coming into its own form. Yeah. And the form that it's taking is the, my favorite parts of Kung Fu The Legend Continues. It's my favorite part of old Clint Eastwood movies. It's that just there's no... There's no bigger picture as far as like this goes because we're past it as far as the rest of Star Wars goes. So where Mando goes, we don't know. But now it's so episodic and serial and it's mm-hmm. just adventure and there's no like, oh, what are these steps until he gets to Luke Skywalker or what are the steps until he gets to Thrawn? Like mm-hmm. that still exists. Yeah. But now this is just perfect Star Wars TV that can be Monster of the Week or it could be NPC character episode. Uh-huh. That's what I was saying earlier. They did focus on Pershing and uh, Kale for an entire episode. Uh-huh. Then they did Monster of the Week, that, directed by Carl Weathers. That's it. <laughs> so, like, we're getting that with Mando, and I think that's how Mando can, as a show, as a property, can just exist. Be the wayward warrior that goes into town, mm-hmm. fixes a problem. Kung fu. That's it. Yeah. And they're doing such a great job with it, because when you're talking about clones and rebels as well, that's a seven, eight season property Mm -hmm. that's allowed to develop. And you get these cool stories that aren't just like the Star Wars operas. Mm -hmm. You know, the movies are great. It's a space opera. Here's two hours of action pack. But like to see 
the 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 creation of a tribe, the bonding of a tribe, a, a father and son warrior, right. like all these themes, I'm enjoying the crap out of it. I don't know what they can do in the next four episodes to totally blow me off that, but if they keep on the trajectory, this will be my favorite Star Wars ever. Wow. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying the world building. They they have so much runway between this and the sequels mm-hmm. that I think they're really enjoying the fact that they have so much runway, so much leeway. Yes. Um, yeah, you kind of tell they're kind of pushing towards that. Let's explain how the First Order exists and mm-hmm. let's explain why there was a clone emperor. Yes. But at the same time, that's so far away and I don't really think that's the main point yes. of it. I think they're just kind of almost like a North Star in a lot of ways. I get it. But there's so much other stuff. And it's just do. a factor of the world. And right. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying, because it always seems to be like a lot of Star Wars properties are in service to the original trilogy, as they should be. Right. Or at least that era, story arc, whatever you want to say, this is now becoming its own, and I've, own thing. I really feel, especially with the Coruscant stuff, I really feel like Andor might have rubbed off on him. Oh, for sure. Um, and I know, like, people are like, oh, this was concurrent or before. But I'm like, you're not telling me Filoni and Favreau didn't get to read the scripts. And if they're doing Mando. it in both shows, then it's an right. intentional conversation yeah. at some step of the process. At some step of the way, I think it is. Because especially the the Pershing episode, it felt like it, it could have been an episode of Andor. Absolutely. Easily. Absolutely. Um, it felt felt very similar to that. And if that's the way Star Wars is going to go, I'm all for because Andor was great. <laughs> I like it. Was it great. It's a little bit more on the street personal story, right? So, yeah, um, I, I think it's pretty good. I I say we just call this the Mandalorian midpoint, and we'll give our pizza ratings at the end. There you go, because it's too early to tell. I like it. Do you have any um, nitpicks or things you're curious about? Anything that your the, expectations? Yeah. yeah, I mean, my biggest nitpick is what I said was the the baby Yoda voice. I wanted to be more, <laughs> more. Did you catch that scene where it sounds like he says, this is the way, though? Yeah, there was a lot of things where he sounded like he was trying to say something. Interesting. And we, I mean, we found out that he can't wear a helmet because he can't take the oath, but I don't know how he's going to wear a helmet with those ears anyway. He got a roundo, though. So, he got a piece of armor. Yeah, he got a piece of armor. So touching. Touching, I guess, but look kind of silly on him. That's, I want him to grow up so he has more of a like humanoid shape. He's never going to have that, though. So, I know. So it's funny that she is making it specific for his... This is the first time she's made it specifically for... Because yeah. she doesn't make roundels for any of the other Mandalorians. None yeah. of the other Mandos have them either. And yeah. as far as armor goes, they're decorative because it's the little like plate that sits yeah. in your armpit, you know? Yeah. But it fits his whole body. Yeah. No. And it has the mud horn on it because he's, he's Mando's little baby. Yeah. I get it. It's dad and baby have the same symbol. <laughs> he's making his whole family. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I have a I have a nitpick about the episode lengths. Yeah, but I will save that until we get all eight to see what they do with it. Oh. But as it stands right now, my my gears are starting to grind a little bit. Oh, <laughs> too long, too short, too uneven, too uneven. Okay, that's a thing that's been happening with streaming shows, though. And I think I might have uh, been positive about it when it was starting to be a thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, and that's definitely true because I have the argument for that, but. I'm getting old and cranky, and I now am turned against my old self. <laughs> I have a new opinion for, for good reasons, but I have a new opinion, and I, I'm now, my take is that I am against different episode lengths. Yeah. <laughs> to be explained further later. But I guess we're both on the so far so good. Uh, so far so great. So I'm excited far so great for, for you. Yes. So far so good for me. There you go. But uh, we'll see, yeah. 
So for me, I think Andor is kind of top in the series is for me right now. It. But again, this is only four episodes in, so uh, we'll see. Well, now you guys know what we think, and our pizza is here. Beep, beep. So that means it's the end of the show. But before we end the show, we want to tell you guys we want to know what you think. You can hit us up on all our social medias at AssumingPod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can also send us a Gmail, AssumingPositions at gmail.com. Every, <laughs> every week I say, hey, Mikey, how would you like the Gmail formatted, Grogu? Okay. I have no idea. I was just trying to do Grogu voice. I think um, he, uh, uh, just send me an email with some cool Mandalorian sigils in there. You don't want a giant hologram above your head? <laughs> there you go. That was really cool, I thought, when Pershing was giving his talk. That's it, yeah. That had a giant hologram above so everyone could see it. And we talked about that in Andor. Like, it seems like holograms, when they make them in Star Wars world, they have, like, personal mode, yeah. uh, room mode, and then presentation yeah. mode, where it's giant head. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, send me a giant head of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Make your opinion really loud. Oh. If you guys like what we do here and you want to support us and bringing positivity into fandom, you can uh, buy us a coffee. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash assuming pod and buy us some caffeine. Please. Sounds tasty. We also want to let you guys know that we will be at Baycon 2023, July 1st and 2nd down in Pasadena, Texas. Having convention fun, my favorite. Going to be doing a whole bunch of panels down there with our good buddy Bacon. So you guys should come out to that. Thank you guys so much for listening. You're the best Positrons there ever were. Woo. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, Not Scott Productions for our equipment, and Jazzar for our music. And we hope you guys have a good luck, big rest of your week. Twang's Day, am I right? Oh.